What's the impact of fatherlessness and what can be done about it? We'll find out on this edition of Frank Relationships. You're listening to Frank Relationships with Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Yes, as always, those are my babies. Thanks for getting Daddy started today. Award-winning journalist Janetta Rose Barris is with us today. And I'm curious, why is the presence of a father in the lives of his children important? And, And particularly in the lives of his daughters. Well, um... You know, it's funny that you would ask that question because no one would ask why is the a mother right. important. Um, and obviously you come into the world with two parents, even though maybe one is not around. But a father really is the main external guide uh, for his children. Uh, think of a chauffeur, a navigator, uh, someone who helps the children to develop their own internal locus, kind of a sense of who they are. That's what fathers do for their children, especially for their daughters. Uh, they also help with their daughters in terms of helping their daughters appreciate their femininity and appreciate the uniqueness of being a girl, a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fathers are very critical to their daughter's development and equally critical to their their sons, obviously. Um, but the the mother, in terms of the son's development, is uh, plays a similar role that the father plays. That kind of cross uh, cross gender mm-hmm. education and instruction mm-hmm. that is critical for you being able to appreciate all the genders, all the people in the world. Now, this is admittedly this is kind of another silly question, but you know, just <laughs> to just to cover all bases. <laughs> Why do you care? I mean, you've got a you've you've got a father or had a father. I don't know if he's with us still. Yeah. Um, I believe you have a daughter who naturally has a father. Right. So I mean, that can that can answer the question right there. Why do you care? Well, but what's I, your answer? I actually grew up without my biological father. I didn't meet him until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a great grandfather, fabulous uncles, and and so there was a male presence in my home, uh, in my life, not in my home. But waking up in the morning and not having a father there, maybe someone who would tell me how great I looked, even when my breath stink and my hair was uncombed. It's it's a way of kind of helping you to build your self-esteem that isn't necessarily connected to how you look, but who you are. Mm. And so I care about it because I know what I went through uh, growing up without that father presence, without that unconditional love that one expects from a father, without that kind of guidance and attention, and not understanding myself, not understanding uh, especially boys, and and then later in life, not appreciating how you uh, actually develop a relationship Mm -hmm. and how you sustain a relationship, even through the ups and downs. And so I care about that because the father is a critical element of family. 
And if we want to have strong families, we have to begin to appreciate the unique qualities and contribution of fathers. It's one thing to experience the pain. It's another to know that you experienced the pain. When did you figure out that you experienced the pain? Well, that's a really great question because it took me a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I just thought I was messed up. I mean, and sometimes I thought other people were messed up, to tell you the truth. It's mm-hmm. like not my fault. That's generally how it goes. We, <laughs> right. we think other people are crazy. <laughs> so exactly. we wake up. Exactly. But there was a national fatherhood movement, and I was at the time a reporter with the Washington exam, um, the Washington Times, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to cover one of their conferences, and they were talking about fathers and sons. And I left that event thinking, wow, fathers are really important. Mm-hmm. And if they're so important to sons, why isn't anybody talking about how important they are to daughters? Mm-hmm. And so then I started talking to other people. And in the middle of this kind of examination of an issue at a subjective level, my mother called me and t- asked me if I wanted to meet my father. Whoa. Out of the blue. And I thought the, the man, I thought she was crazy. I said, are you kidding me? Do I want to see him? And uh, because the man that I thought was my father, who was her husband, uh, mm-hmm. her ex-husband. Um, this was didn't, at 30? Yeah. So you good. didn't know no, he wasn't your father? No, I thought he was my father, really. Okay. And he, I, I knew he didn't like me much because wow. when he came to visit my uh, my siblings, my older sister and brother, he loved them, and I was just uh, some little wet cat on the corner, mm. you know. And um, so, um, essentially, uh, she told me, no, I mean your real father. And uh, so, subsequently, I, I met my real father that summer, which I always call the summer of my discontent, because mm-hmm. I, I had such an explosive temper Um, I lost my job that summer, broke up with a boyfriend, but met my father. And it was from that experience, from that, that was sort of the beginning of, of looking at myself in a new way, um, and understanding that really there was someone who really loved me just the way I was, because I was a little different from my Creole uh, sister and brother. I was a little bit darker than they were. My mm-hmm. nose was a little bit wider than theirs. And, and so there was that physical difference. And you feel, and, and then, the, oh, of course, there was the lore, the folklore in the family that when I was born, the, the nurses at Charity Hospital told my mother, oh, you can't take her home. He'll know that's not his. Mm. And she, you know, and I was like, uh, and wow. so that was kind of repeated to me over and over. And I thought, oh, they're so cruel. Yeah. But I really wasn't his, mm-hmm. you know, and I, mm-hmm. I was very angry with my mother for that deception. But, you know, we, um, we come to understand our parents do the best they can. Absolutely. Sure. And so I, I subsequently forgave her. But it was so great to actually meet someone who looked a little bit like me. He was darker than I was, but but he was, and interestingly, um, his physical makeup was kind of the physical makeup that I was attracted to mm-hmm. in other men. Mm-hmm. And I learned as I was working on my book, Whatever Happened to Daddy's Little Girl, that 
a child actually makes that connection uh, with their parents when they're months old, yes. not when they're years old, when mm -hmm. they're months old. And so there's that relationship that begins almost immediately with the mother and the child being able to distinguish the mother from the father at as young as, as three months old, six months old. Mm. He has seen you? He had seen me. My my father actually what what prompted my mother to keep me away from him was that my father had indicated to her that he wanted to take me away and so I could live with him and his mother and have his mother actually rear me while he was because he was a merchant seaman. So while he was away, he, his mother would have taken care of me, but he wanted to personally take care of me and she was afraid that if she left me with him, she wouldn't be able to find me anymore, that mm. he would actually take me away. Wow. Uh, so, so that was the story. And, and, it was, and he had been looking for me for at least 20, over 20, almost 29 years, because he stopped, she stopped allowing him to see me when I was like a one years old, something like that. And um, so, he had been trying to find me, and funny enough, he lived in Maryland in Baltimore for a while, and I was living in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. wow. Thirty miles. Now, yeah, you you've got my my beak wet on the question. <laughs> Just what how how did it all come together? How did you find him? Sounds like how did he find you? Oh, he, well, yes, yes. Well, that here goes the father's role again. Um, he went to my grandfather, my mother's father, mm -hmm. and asked and said, I guess uh, he made his own appeal because my grandfather never told me uh, what that conversation was like. Mm -hmm. But whatever it was like, it prompted him to call my mother and say, this is that man's child. He has a right. And my mother then, that's what led to the phone call. Because, of course, she was no longer with the man you thought was your father. Oh, she hadn't been with him for decades. I mean, wow. they they were divorced. By the time I was four years old, they had already divorced. Wow. Well, they weren't divorced. They were separated. Mm -hmm. We're Catholic. So they make, they pretend that, you know, you can't get divorced. <laughs> and so they, my, <laughs> so oh, they didn't get it. Oh, I'm going man. someplace else. Right. Right. Another I better show. shut up. <laughs> Is your mom still with us? Yeah, my mother okay. is still in New Orleans, yeah. If you're willing, I'm curious about the story of your conception. I, if you know it. If you oh, know I it. actually I actually do know it and I actually put it in the in part of it in the book. It was she had an affair with this man. Mm -hmm. And as I began to understand my mother more, I realized that what she had, her father, she had been my grandmother and grandfather and my mother's sister were entertainers. And so her mm. father, my grandfather, and her mother were always on the road. Mm -hmm. And so she grew up basically with my great-grandmother, who was her, her grandmother. Yes. And um, she didn't have her father with her a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather, as much as I loved him, I mean, he, he could be emotionally remote. And so consequently, I realized that part of what my mother was experiencing, uh, you know, uh, for most of her life 
was this father hunger too. Not so much the presence, but the emotional relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I talk to people about this, I say it's not enough to be present. Mm. You have to be actively engaged, involved, and not just giving money, you know, because it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. It really is about that emotional connection, the learning, the education that goes into um, building a daughter or building a son, growing a daughter or growing a son, to use a different word. And and so uh, it's really extremely important to have that kind of so my mother was the the reason my mother wasn't happy in her marriage um and and so she this guy was a a friend of a friend they got together one Mm -hmm. time she said and um and there i was uh a baby and (laughs) and uh, and so you know and and but you know during those times a woman's married. She has her husband's name. She right. kept the name. But I said, but you put his name on the birth certificate. Really? Your I, actual father? No. no. She, oh. her, no husband. her husband. Okay. She was married. And, and they so were she, together. And they were together. So mm-hmm. she put his name. And I said, wow, that wasn't fair to him or to me or to my father. So like, here yeah. you are. You know, you're like, let's lie to everybody. Wow, that was like wicked. And so, but that was the way it was done. Yeah. Was it just her decision? Did did your, Step did her father. husband have some say in that? No, also? no, he didn't. He didn't know until, like I said, after the child, after I, I was born. Days. And then, you know, it was really quite different. I mean, my my um my uh brother and sister were as light-skinned as nancy is Mm -hmm. and and so there was uh there was an obvious difference between the children and you could say okay well it skipped back it went back like went back but but it didn't go that far back (laughs) So, (laughs) so because you know it's just different so talk to me so your mom and your the man you believe to be your father separated at four years and when you were four, four years old. Yeah. Talk to me about how you felt about your mother withholding the information from you. Because this is not like you grow up with this man and you're in your thirties and you're and he's still very active in your life yeah. and so she's protecting a yeah. particular relationship. So you essentially could have learned this many years sooner. So talk to me a little bit about how that felt that she kept it from you. Well, I there's one there's one of the the Ten Commandments that I I really adhere to without any variance. And that is to honor your mother and father. That that day shall be long. I I never raised my voice at my mother. I never, some people, you know, as you get older, you you sort of lose yourself and lose that understanding. But 
it, that was my first time ever in my life raising my voice at my mother and going mm. the hell off on her, really. Really? Uh, I did wow. because I felt one thing I don't tolerate is for people to lie to me. Tell me what the truth is, and I don't care what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Just tell it to me. And, mm -hmm. and then it's on me to kind of manage that, you mm -hmm. know. And so um, she, you know, she talked about how she, it was a private thing. And I said, no, it wasn't a private thing. It, at least I, not for me. No, it wasn't right, private. Right. <laughs> and at some point when I became of age to understand, right. uh, you, you should have spoken to me about it. And, and then the other thing she was talking about, that my father was uh, seemed to have been violent. Uh, one time they were on the street, and my mother is like 4'11", maybe 5 feet. She's 5 feet. And Which small, father? My, my biological. Father. Okay. Yeah. And so, so they were on the street, and they got into an argument, and um, and he was tall as well, and mm -hmm. she's like five feet. She's, you know, she was all Aww. of maybe a hundred something pounds, you know, uh, wet, and um, and so uh, the police happened upon, and and the police rescued her basically. And the policeman said, "Wow, she's she's so small, you could just like throw her aside, and and that's weight." And so she she became fearful. Uh, um, that she would be hurt, mm -hmm. and um, the argument was probably, probably about you. Maybe I don't know. Maybe <laughs> so. And so, so, so she told me all of this, and I said, "Well, you know, I can appreciate that you wanted to protect yourself, but at some point, you should have given me the opportunity to develop my own relationship, mm. because right. my relationship." may have been different. Mm -hmm. I'm certain it would have been different. I wasn't his girlfriend, his woman. I wasn't sleeping with him. I didn't have all those, you and know, those complications. Right. Um, and uh, and so, uh, you know, that's that's a message I give to women yes. all the time. Yes, that's a powerful message and yeah. one that really is best relayed when we have our own story to, to demonstrate that we have actual insight into it not yeah. just theory yes. but you can say look this is this has shown up in my life too right yeah exactly well i have to say i think the most delicious part of the story for me is that he had been looking for you yes and that had to be hugely important to your confidence just yeah. the whole thing you, you know your own your own self-esteem it's like you you're saying that the man you believed was your father never seemed to take to you and then to learn that the man you never knew was was your father had been pursuing you actively basically all your life and finally went above and beyond your mom to go to her father and say listen enough is enough man to man and your grandfather obviously understood his pain. Yes. Because he interceded for him. Right. And the thing that makes your presence on the show so incredibly profound for me right now is I got a call on Sunday morning about very much the same issue. Really? Yes. And I, you know, w one person I confided in said, well, you don't even know if he wants anything to do 
with the child. Mm -hmm. So this is not a situation where the man doesn't, I don't even believe the man knows that he has a a child. child. Mm -hmm. And the child is, is just agonizing over wanting to know his father. father. Right. And so, you know, and, and this is a male. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is, this is a male agonizing over wanting to know who his father is. He's been pursuing it for 10 years. Wow. And finally, after he confides in someone about trying to find his father, he gets some assistance and boom, There's the they fun. find him. Oh, wow. And so now it's like, well, what do we do? How should we approach this? I'm like, clueless, you know? Yeah. And, and of course, I don't want to say of course, but my intuitive hunches like get in there and and say something something. yeah Yeah. so you know and yet i had to consider some of these other opinions stay out of it it's too personal you don't know he might not be the one like all this noise yeah and yet even if it's not even if he isn't the one then hey let's do the dna test let's Mm -hmm. let's let's solve it and one of the things i did say was listen Wanting to know your who your parents are, your mother and your father, is a curiosity that never dies. I don't care how good the, the, the parents were that you had. They did everything they knew how to do to make you happy. Exactly. That is a curiosity that will never die. Because it's wanting to know who you are. Who right. you are. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh and, and well, in that particular case, I remember my father. Once we, once my mother told my father that I was willing to see him and that I would be in New Orleans um, uh, after a few weeks, he sent me an, a letter right away, and he nice. said, "I don't know what your mother told you, but there are two sides to every story." Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, it's like a three-page handwritten letter, and I always tell people. Start there. Start with a letter. Sure. Either oh, you beautiful. writing your father or the father writing you and share what you actually feel um, because it's much better to do it that way than to... To confront them to directly. Sh- and, you know, and I know I know women who've gone to their father's door, knock, 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 and, oh, my God, and the father has a family and all of this sure. stuff. So, that's, that's exactly and, the case. And I know yes. men who have denied um, their children, and then the mothers say, well, let's get a DNA. And sure. after I don't know how many years, um, then you find out that that's your daughter and... Oh my God! Right, you're you're feeling like what you know? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And so everyone in that area, if they are responsible, caring human beings, they want to be able to approach it and find out, sure. and and then res- respond in a in a in a responsible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nobody wants to be the bad guy in right. a situation but i think you do have to approach it in 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 such a way so that no one right. feels that they're the bad guy mm-hmm. you know right. right welcome to frank relationships a show for you my brethren who like me are too young to be considered old and too old to be considered young it's also for those of us those of you who love and support us 
We're here to provide weekly wisdom, conversation, and the information that will help create loving and flexible parents and partners. I'm Frank Love, and you can find me, my blog, and my various social media incarnations at franklove.com. If you're listening to the show on Blog Talk Radio, please follow us. And then via iTunes, please subscribe so that you can effortlessly get the show each week. Also, if you're enjoying the show, and of course you are, please give us a favorable iTunes rating and please share it with your family and friends on your favorite social media platform. We're always looking for new social media friends, so please help us help our communities by spreading the word about the show. Greetings to my super-duper co-host, Nancy Goldring. Greetings, Frank. The consummate generalist. Indeed. Ha-ha. How you doing? <laughs> awesome. Great, great. Today's guest is an award-winning journalist and a best-selling author. She has more than 20 years of experience reporting and commenting on national, social, political, and cultural trends, including as an opinion writer with The Washington Post, The Washington Examiner, and the Washington City Paper. In addition to her notable professional accomplishments, she has a heartfelt passion, and that is addressing the effects of girls who are abandoned by their fathers. To that end, she's founded a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to empowering girls and women who've grown up or are growing up without the presence and active involvement of their biological fathers. So, if you, like me, want to hear about why daddy matters, if you want to know how would someone know if they're affected by the absence of their biological father and whether a father's absence affects girls and boys differently, then stay tuned as your Frank Relationship team talks with none other than the president and Chief Executive Officer of Esther Productions, Miss Janetta Rose Barris. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm actually happy to be here. We're grateful <laughs> oh, yeah. to have you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really happy to be here. Well, before we get even deeper into today's subject matter, we're going to check in and see what's going on in the news. Uh, Janetta, please don't be bashful. We know you've got opinions. <laughs> so <laughs> feel free to share them. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Here's a little. Here's a little um, comedy, kind of comedy. Uh, I was reading a an article on stupid solutions to real problems, and they, these these solutions actually worked. Okay. Oh. So a guy bought a first class plane ticket and kept rescheduling the the departure so that he could eat in the airport VIP lounge for free for one year, as long as he kept rebooking. What? what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is so crazy. But that meant he was never taking off? He was never taking off. Oh, my God. He got to eat. He got his, oh, the issue was food, sex. I guess. Oh, my God. He obviously so, got I mean, his money well, money's worth. Well, he could have solved the food problem very differently, especially with his first class. Don't you get food in first class? Yes. But, but obviously but not enough. But you only enough. get it once. Well, yeah, yeah. You, once you fly, <laughs> that's it. Continually. Well, you keep putting off that flight, and you can go to the you could go to the airport, <laughs> go to the lounge, <laughs> eat, and, and then go say, back and say, I, uh, I can't. I've got a family emergency. 
That's so, funny. Okay, so that looks like that looks like a food emergency. And mm. what might that have to do with relationships? Hmm. Mm. Well, I food guess food is huge I, in relationships. I, yeah, I guess somebody wasn't at home. What somebody wasn't cooking, right? Some, right exactly. Somebody, somebody wasn't cooking. That's the one. <laughs> I think you better not let that be the first story he tells a new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be going out long. <laughs> Honey, I want to take you to this awesome VIP lounge, VIP lounge <laughs> for dinner. But she didn't have a ticket. <laughs> she, and she can't she get, get past security. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here's another one. Uh, a person needed to cancel a doctor's appointment, and the doctor's office said that there's a $200 charge for cancellation without a week's notice. So the patient asked, well, how much is it to reschedule the appointment? And they said it's free. <laughs> so the patient rescheduled for three weeks out and then and they canceled. Now that I love. makes sense. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that I one. That. I love that. You never cancel a doctor's appointment. <laughs> yeah, they try to charge your insurance and, and everything. A week ahead. That's wow. intense. Usually it's 24, 48 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. Wow. Okay. A plastic surgeon. <laughs> on, on another side of, of the relationship world, according to the Harvard Business Review, there's a relationship that you need to make sure you get right. And now, given that we're talking about the Harvard Business Review, any guess on what that relationship is? Uh, Your investor. No. Nope. No, oh, I was okay. thinking just the... You know, getting your contract right if you're employed or a contractor with them. Nope. It's the sponsor-protege relationship. <laughs> really? Yes. Why? I well, mean, how could that go wrong? Oh. Uh, th that's just it. Well, first, let's dis define what a, a sponsor. sponsor is. Okay. So according to the research in this, this paper, um, it boils down to two things. One is putting one's reputation on the line for a protege, mm -hmm. uh. and the other is taking responsibility for his or her promotion. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. And there were times when someone recommended someone for a promotion, but that individual was, was having a difficult time in the new position. Sure. And so, and they didn't, the protege did not keep the sponsor abreast of the difficulties mm -hmm. that they were having and so it looks bad on the sponsor and the sponsor ultimately had to kind of just back away back away because their them. reputation was absolutely on the line. Yeah. absolutely that, yeah. I, I can appreciate that i i hadn't thought about uh that being the most or mm -hmm. or a relationship that we don't think about but but you're right in your professional development and your career at home, uh, in a particular uh, job, you and each of us has someone that really is looking out for us or care yeah. cares about our success. So yeah, I could see that. Helps me see why some people don't realize it, but they're being assisted from behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody who's not actively saying. I got your back, yeah. but they see you, they take an interest in you, they believe in your talent. And so from behind the scenes, they'll say, you know, give so-and-so a try. Right. I think you need to consider them. And often those are connections that get made. You don't even know it until maybe the person has moved on oh. or, 
you know, somebody happens to say, oh, so-and-so had your back on that one. They, you know, they happen to say to me, won't you? And it just works out that way. Yeah. And yeah. these examples, I think, they, they did know that sure. you had that they well that when the you actually knew. set this relationship up that's yes. different yes, yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. on the other side there was a protege who did not who was not able to reach the sponsor, sponsor. Uh-huh. The, the sponsor did not help really Got once it. once they were promoted the sponsor did not remain accessible i see and that was a difficulty also mm-hmm. okay so okay huh. You know, it's a little little different on the relationship side, but it's um, it's a relationship. It can, yeah, and it mm-hmm. can be meaningful to sure to sure you, me, and you know whoever's listening. Mm-hmm. Okay, Janetta, uh, let's get a little further deep into to what we were discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, how serious do you see the issue of fatherlessness or abandonment? Or so we'll, we follow it. Fatherlessness can be the the general banner. Abandonment means that dad walked away. When I hear abandonment, it feels like dad walked away, and that was it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Dad just walked away. Right. But there's also a story similar to yours where mom, but mom gave him up. the stiff arm. Right. And would not. Would, did all she could to avoid him being right, in this situation. Right. How prevalent is that in the African-American community? Oh, it's very prevalent. I mean, um, you have a bad relationship with someone, and you really are glad they're gone. And you have no faith and no confidence, no trust in them to do the right thing by you. They didn't do the right thing by you as far as you're concerned. So you don't have that they will do the right thing Uh, by their children. And sometimes when that tension is there, the man, the father, ends up not doing the right thing because it is such a hassle. Mm -hmm. It is such, you know, so many hurdles, so much to go through, so much browbeating that sometimes goes on. And, And so his answer is to just stay away, you know, send a birthday card, uh, sometimes make a promise and then don't live up to it. And, and that doesn't help, and that kind of reinforces the mother's um, interpretation of, this, uh, of the father and, and sort of the message that she's giving to the children, uh, girl or, or boy. So it is, it is a real problem. And it's, it's even more of a problem when the father has issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the they father, all do. And yeah, we all we, do. right, right. Mother has mother. Mothers have issues right. too. But when the fathers have issues, where you know maybe there was substance abuse, uh, mm-hmm. maybe there was um, maybe he walked away and then got himself in in jail, mm-hmm. and and part of the abandonment is that incarceration period, mm-hmm. and um, and so those are all issues and and a mother might say you know what i don't want you around my child because of this 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 and it's it seems reasonable mm-hmm. okay but 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 it's on the father to try to figure out how to get in it's like my own father who who was a heavy drinker i, I mean most of us from new orleans are uh, but <laughs> you know <laughs> he was a heavy drinker and um and uh and my mother wasn't but but he went to my grandfather that was his way of kind of going around that roadblock mm-hmm. you know okay i've tried to go directly through the roadblock and my god she's like
like a huge, you know, barrier here. So, so he goes around that and, and goes to my, uh, to my grandfather and that's how he got in. And so I always tell, uh, men who are really interested in reconnecting with their children to find an ally. It could be a grandmother. It could be a best friend of your, of your, uh, of your former wife. It could be a brother. It, it could be, you know, the pastor at the church mm-hmm. that you all used to attend or that you know she attends and you don't attend. It could be anybody, but find someone mm-hmm. that will help you work through that difficulty. A diplomat, an emissary. An emissary, right, exactly. Now, I remember some time ago reading a statistic that said that men were some significant percentage of the time more likely to leave if they had girls versus boys. Like men will naturally stay longer if the children are boys versus girls. Now... I just thought to myself, I guess they figure that the girls are going to ultimately, like right. they need their mother yeah, more right, than I, right. they that, need, and that need is, me. That is, uh, that is kind of the message that society has sent throughout history. I think that uh, girls need their mothers more than they need their fathers. And even when you go to court and there are custody battles, uh, you will find that if daughters are involved, you will find that if their daughters are involved, what they do is they actually, um, they will they will give the mother custody of the sure. girls and not of the boys. And and I always say boys are for her, uh, boys are for him, girls are for her. That that was a section in my book actually where I went through that because it is actually when you talk about cross gender instruction, which I was talking about earlier, then really uh, uh, boys are for the mother and girls are for the father in terms of what you need as you grow older in relationships and in and and in navigating the world, uh, which is still predominantly a male. Uh, a male kind of structured environment in the world. And so you need that. You need that father. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to play a little game with you. I'm going to, um, what am I? I'm 44, and I'm going to turn into, I'm going to turn into an 18-year-old young black female. Oh, wow. And I just had a, uh, I just had a, uh, a daughter. She's two. She's two months. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I found out that my boyfriend, the child's father, has uh, has another girlfriend, and I'm upset. And and upset doesn't really nail it. I'm pissed yeah. off. Yeah. I'm Furious. angry. Yeah. I am resentful, and I don't want anything to do with him anymore. Except to send them to child support. support. Yes, exactly. there you go. And right. and not just I, I want I want to I want to hurt him. him. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I want to hurt the him. Thought. That's so, why you send and then child support. Yes. <laughs> right. So I don't want right. him to have anything to do with the baby. With the baby, and I want to send them for child support. So what do you say to me? Well. Can I step back for a moment? Because what I say to young people, uh, male and female, is do you know the person that you're sleeping with? Mm -hmm. Do you know their history? Do you know whether they grew up with their father? Uh, Do you know what their relationship was like with their mother? Uh, 
because inside that are all kinds is all kinds of information that can help mm-hmm. you to understand what your relationship is likely to be with yes. this person. So before you get into bed and have that to, that baby girl, then you might want to do that. But now that you've got that baby girl, and it's almost a little bit like I said earlier with my case, you can't, you shouldn't deny him the opportunity to be with his child because of the relationship that you had with him. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta take yourself out of that, out of that kind of picture and just put the child in the picture. And I don't care if you want to get child support. Um, children, children need, but you children don't understand. Need, but, 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 but you don't well, understand. I mean, the and only thing, Jonetta, is hormones are raging. This girl is only 18 years old. So this whole idea of doing a background check on the guy she's got the hots for is not even getting ready to happen. Oh, but, but that's why that's why those of us who are 44 sure. <laughs> <laughs> need to be helping these right, kids to understand. Right. I was, look, when I had my first child, I was fresh out of high school. I was a, teen, a pregnant teen. Uh, and and got pregnant with a guy for a guy who was 24 years old, mm-hmm. and my mother wanted me to marry him. Mm-hmm. I said, "Are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. I am not gonna marry this guy because I knew who he was. Wow. He was not gonna go where I wanted to go. And even though I was having a child and I had been irresponsible and reckless with both my life and this child's life." I understood that I was I would be compounding the situation. Okay. Okay, so that wasn't about getting back at him. Uh, but I understand the dynamic that you're talking about and and I understand it better now in hindsight because of all the craziness that I went through. Uh, you know, from from man to man and having children and uh, the whole thing is in the book. Read the book. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> no, not enough time to tell the whole story. Okay. But but so so my thing to, to that young lady would be, you know, to stop for a minute. And while you might hate him, how much do you love your child? But you don't and you understand. don't understand. No, right. You, listen, you don't understand what's best for my child is for her not to, to be, be around, around him. him. Right. That's because what's best for my me. child. Yeah. Because if he hurt me, he may hurt her. And if he doesn't care about me, he can't care about her. Right. So what's best for my, my child? That's called Munchausen. What is it called? Munchausen by proxy or something? It's a. It's actually a a, a disorder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you 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 are you have wrapped yourself so far around your child that you don't see. And a lot of mothers are like that. A mm-hmm. lot of a lot of people are like that. They don't see their children as independent beings, even at that age, mm-hmm. who actually need their own source of nurturing their own kinds of relationships uh, that will help them to grow into whole healthy human beings. And I probably would have to work with her for a while. Mm -hmm. We're having a program actually um, on October the 21st uh, called The Gift. It's an interactive healing and reconciliation experience. Mm -hmm. And it is actually for women 18 and older who grew up without their fathers. So I would I would hope uh, a young lady like that who is having that kind of experience would come uh, because there, there's more complication in that. Mm-hmm. In that you are looking only at 
the surface. Yes. And, and I want to get behind that to say, what prompted you to have a baby at 18 for someone you didn't, you weren't married with and probably, you weren't married to and probably didn't really know. Mm-hmm. You were only just physically attracted to and And what was that physical attraction about? Was it about you needing to feel love because you didn't feel that at home? You didn't have your relationship with your father? That's one of the uh, healing, the healing factor, the sexual healing factor is one of the five factors that fatherless girls and women display. They don't display all of them, but they display, you know, a, a, a majority of them. And, and, and so you're looking, what I know you I, what I'm What's saying, the sexual, the, so healing the sexual healing is that you are running around sleeping with a lot of people looking for love in all the wrong places. And it's not about sex. Mm-hmm. It's really about having that hole in your heart filled, having the right emotional kind of nurturing and caring that you didn't get from your father. And so you are looking for it from any man, you know, who gives it to you for five minutes, five days or 15 days. And and so when you when he turns and goes to another woman, it is another rejection all over again that you felt from your father when he left, when your parents divorced or when your father abandoned you or, you know, or not having it and having and wanting it throughout your life. So so there is there's something at play there that we would want to kind of explore. And and we do that in our in our sessions, you came to one of the sessions, yes, Frank. Yes, I did. So, so we've been doing that for the last three or four years, five hours, really intense, uh, about the beginning of the healing process, the beginning of reconciling with yourself, and then reconciling, if you'd like, with your father. Mm-hmm. But and what do you say to the, um, what do you say to, the young woman, who finds herself involved, with a a guy and she comes from a solid family where her father was present and active in her upbringing well well you think you think she you think he was okay you think okay like you said he was present he was present but it's like with my mother um, it took me a long time to understand what was going on with my mother after talking to her about her relationship with her father and learning that she had been left with her with her grandmother mm-hmm. and, and that she so desired to be on the road with her parents and she envied her older sister. And so it was all of that going on. My mother couldn't keep a relationship, my God. And, and until the day that her father died, she was still trying to get him to love her in a way that made her feel it Mm. and he was there and and to me he was he was like everything you would want in a father and but then I learned some things about my grandfather that I did not know so on the surface in a far, in an obj- uh, sort of an objective way, you're looking at one thing, but you have to think about that individual and what they're feeling mm-hmm. and whether it's really touching them at their core mm-hmm. in a way that makes them feel whole, loved, satisfied, and able to meet the world without any obstacles in their minds. 
I have, um, I've, over the years, I have been thinking about how important it is. This is, it sounds kind of absurd. How important it is to be a child to our parents. And that's almost a skill. It's not something that is, it isn't just poof, you're put on this earth and it all comes together. But our parents need love and compassion and understanding from us also. They have their as own. As their children. As their children, yes. They have their own story that is probably, you know, it, it, average, it averages maybe 20, 25 years mm-hmm. older than we are. Mm-hmm. And there's so much there that they're still working with now. If we can actually look at our parents as people who are working things out, their for own themselves. issues out yeah. for themselves today, mm-hmm. and uh, and to give them love and and understanding, it it can it can improve our relationship with them. It can assist them in navigating the world as they know it. It can be a really huge and powerful thing. Well, and I also think, Frank, that uh, when you recognize that we are all works in progress, absolutely, we are all affected positively and negatively by our environments and the people we meet, the people we don't meet, mm-hmm. the people we'd like to meet, our dreams that don't get fulfilled. fulfilled yes. um, all of that kind of goes into that packaging of who we are. And we have to recognize that each day, however, we are anew. We become anew mm-hmm. because we learn something the the day before mm-hmm. that kind of affecting is affecting us this day and making us and polishing us just a little bit better or making us examine some you know, some conclusion we had made decades ago about who we are and who the people around us may be. And so I think that is the, uh, we are all works in progress. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, if you're looking for perfection, go to the graveyard. That's the only place you're gonna find it. They are perfectly dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. I have talked about your organization and its mission, but please, I'd like to hear it from you. Please tell me about Esther Productions. Well, I started Esther Productions right after my book came out, Whatever Happened to Daddy's Little Girl, because I I really thought it wasn't enough just to, it was a groundbreaking book. There hadn't been a book about father absence in African-American women. Uh, That book grew out of a essay I wrote for City Paper. And, and then I wrote the book. And, and there hadn't been anything like it. And when I started going around the country doing speaking engagements, I, I realized how massive the issue was. Yeah. And I realized that it affected women as old as 70 and 80 years old would be in front of me crying. I I didn't know what to do. And so yeah. I wanted to do more than just write. Mm-hmm. And um and so I started Esther Productions for that purpose to number one, educate people about the importance of fathers in young in girls' lives. 
women's lives, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just as our mates and or our father-in-laws or anything like that, but but really important instructors and and nurturers and all of that. And so I I created uh, Esther for that purpose uh, to educate. And then uh, about uh, maybe five years ago, we decided it wasn't enough just to talk. We wanted to touch. Mm-hmm. We wanted to really heal. And so we started the gift, um, and we've been doing that. And so that's basically what it is, to take from the page, uh, and I have the book, Whatever Happened to Daddy's Little Girl, and I have the book, Bridges, Reuniting Daughters and Daddies, which is a self-help for those who want to reconnect with their fathers mm-hmm. and vice versa. Um, and so we're, we're trying to restore families wherever we can and to heal girls and women who are wounded by father absence wherever we can. As a nonprofit, I'm sure one of the things that you would like to see happen is donations. Oh, yes. <laughs> so how does that, how does well, one donate? Any, one, if anyone wants to donate, they can go to uh, to our PayPal account, mm-hmm. uh, Esther Productions, Inc., E-S-T-H-E-R Productions, I-N-C, um, at gmail.com. And And we're a tax-exempt 501c3. Uh, We've been around since 2004, so Mm -hmm. we're we're pretty old organizations, so to speak. And um, so we accept uh, any amount, um, Mm -hmm. whatever people's, however people are moved, uh, we will be most appreciative. And we do recognize our donors on our website, which is estherproductionsinc.com. And we recognize them on program materials, printed materials, whatever we Mm do. I think it would be the thing that comes up in my in my mind is that if you are a woman who has a child whose father is absent, whether he's he's deliberately chosen not to be involved, he may be no longer with us. You know, maybe he's died. If you are raising a child whose father isn't present, even if you had yours, it sounds to me like your organization and its programs would be vitally important for helping that woman to support her child who doesn't have a father. We have had women like that come to our program. We've had mothers and daughters come uh, we've had just the grandmother come. Okay. Uh, so, so we do, we, we invite any woman who's dealing with the issue either directly or indirectly, as sure. you have talked about, to come to our programs. Um, the one we're having, the, most, the next one is October 21st at um, 1313 New York Avenue Northwest uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and so we... You know, we definitely want people to come. We we really want to heal as much as best we can, or help them, give them the tools that they need, a greater understanding of the issue, and the and specific tools that could be useful in helping a girl or a woman walk through father absence and find a healing place and a place of empowerment. Is it necessary to? register pre-register or you can walk in or what we like people to register because it because it is such an intensive interactive we want to know who's coming mm-hmm. and so you register at esther productions inc at gmail.com 
um, or you can go to Eventbrite and you'll find um, more information about the event at eventbrite.com. Any, any good books that you can recommend? Just And it doesn't have to be about this particular subject matter. It, it, not your book. We already know your books are good. <laughs> I was getting ready to recommend my book. <laughs> but actually, before, before you even give us a good book, what are all of your books? Tell me, tell um, me about those. I, I wrote a book about Marion Barry called The Last of the Black Emperor. Wow. Um, and so that's, that's out. And uh, then Whatever Happened to Daddy's Little Girl and Bridges Reuniting Daughters and Daddies. I have a poetry book as well. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, so people can go to my website, JonettaRoseBarris.com. Spell it, please. J-O-N-E-T-T-A, Rose Like the Flower, B-A-R-R-A-S dot com, and you'll find um, you'll find my book there. Um, I am actually uh, not reading any books these days. Um, oh. It's I'm trying to write, so when I'm writing, I try not to read other mm-hmm. people's books because mm-hmm. it's really easy to <laughs> you know kind of soaks it in. Right, get into someone else's <laughs> yeah, so creativity yeah, instead yeah, of yours. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Along today's journey, we've discussed the importance of fathers, the upcoming event, The Gift, and the effects of fatherlessness on daughters. Thank you to my co-host, Nancy. Thanks to Jeff Newman, my engineer, and thank you to my guest, Ms. Janetta Rose Barris. You've been great. Thank you. I hope you've had as much fun as I've had hanging out with today's ensemble. As always, it's my wish for you to walk away from this conversation with a heaping helping of useful information that'll help create a relationship that's as loving and accepting as possible. Let us know what you thought of today's show at Facebook forward slash Relationship F Love, on Twitter at Mr. That's M-R Frank Love, or at FrankLove.com. If you listen to the show via Blog Talk Radio, please make sure you like us there, and if via iTunes, make sure you subscribe so that you can receive each week's show. This is Frank Love.